You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. That's not my business. My business is to submit myself to God and to accept the circumstances that come into my life because it is through my circumstances that God speaks the loudest to me. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I am Taylor. We are continuing our series, Unashamed, looking at the book of Romans. And who better to unpack it than two special guests and friends. First, we're joined by lead pastor, Jose Abaroa. Jose, good morning. It is great to have you on. And we're joined by pastor of spiritual formation, the one, the only, Bob Moss. Good morning, Taylor. Welcome back to the Conversations Podcast. Jose, we are unpacking, continuing this series, looking at chapter 13, uh, every single uh, message as well as every single chapter has had so much to unpack in each one. But what stood out to you as you prepared and planned for this message from Sunday? Well, context. Context is everything when we read scripture. So one of the benefits, I think, of reading through a book, like the way that we're reading through the book of Romans, is you hear many things in context that are normally preached out of context. And so in this case, we can talk about our relationship to the governing authorities as a silo. It's very important. We need to understand um, what our role is as the church, especially given our times. Uh, At the the same time, I, I found it really incredible how Paul is including this text in, in a greater thread within the chapter and then within the book. So within the book, we've seen Romans 12, there was a big therefore. This is now where we're living out our transformed life. This is, uh, we're not supposed to conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then two weeks ago, we looked at the uh, 16 really ethics of marks of being a Christian and how those are anti-cultural. They're not what our culture says. Hey, revenge, instead of taking revenge, uh, bless those who curse you, bless those who persecute you. And in this uh, chapter, we're, we're looking at governing authority. So what stood out to me was how clear this vein is. Paul is saying, hey, you are not to be about uh, what the culture is about. I've given you a clear mission. It's love. And so stay stay the course. Bob, I'd love to ask you, the title of this message was Subversive Submission. Subversive, full confession, I had to learn what that was when you told me, Jose. But- Meaning the authority or power. Yes, yeah. yes. But what, what is that? How, how do you keep the two in check, Bob? I know we'll get into kind of the four points that Jose laid out in his message, but what have you just seen and your experience and your walk and how this relates to the institution of government and those in authority over us? Well, I understood the submersive part to be the problem or the conflict that we have if our governing authority asks us requires us to do something that is contrary to what God wants us to do, we have to obey God. And that becomes subversive. Subversive. So as much as possible, we need to be obedient and live within the culture. And the message from two weeks ago gives us the how to do that. And uh, the obedience part simply means that if, you know, because the government makes the law doesn't mean that we have to go with it. Um, If we have to disobey, we have to disobey, but we need then 
to be willing to pay the consequences. That's right. Yeah, rebellion, rebellion, um, consequences follow rebellion is one of the points. And and some consequences are, we're, we're going to take them because we're going to follow God instead of following man's that's way. Right. And uh, we're not going to apologize for those things. Another thing that stood out to me from this message was the institution of government is one of three institutions that God has established here on earth. The other two are the family and the church. And I think that we need to remember the order of priority of these. That at first, it's our family, our nuclear family. If you have kids, they are your number one priority. You're the only dad that they will have. If you're you know, a dad, you're the only mom that they will have. And then you zoom out to church. They'll have many different people in the church pour into them. And then you zoom out and governing authorities, how many elected officials are over us, they come and go. Um, but the greatest ability to influence is in that first priority, which is the family. So that's just important mm-hmm. to read this in that context as well. Yeah, and that goes right along with what you started with by saying that God establishes these institutions, God right. establishes these governing authorities. Uh, the question, Jose, you had for us just to reflect on was, do I believe that God is ultimately in control, in control with the family, in control with the church, in control with the government? Uh, what are maybe some warning signs to maybe notice when you are not you know, this, I feel like this is such an internal uh, question here as far as do I believe God's ultimately in control? So, so what are warning signs when you maybe just both of you notice that you're not acting as though God is in control of the government or family or church? Let's, let's stay on the governing authorities because that's, that's what this text directly handles. And I think for me, it's uh, when, when I'm trying to take matters into my own hands, when, when I'm trying to convince somebody that I'm right, uh, where or, or when I'm talking to someone just to vent, but not really being a productive, you know, member of society. Meaning if, if we talk, but we don't vote, then we're not doing what we've been given an opportunity to participate in right now our government uh, structure, which is a representative democracy. So we need to vote. We need to advocate. We need to, you know, rally people for godly causes. So if if we're not doing those things, and if I'm just, you know, uh, um, talking, complaining, goes into the second point, then yeah, I'm, I'm not doing what I've been called to do. Bobby, what would you add there? Yes. <laughs> well, let's jump into that second point because you just mentioned that. But uh, the second point here is consequences follow rebellion. And the question is, as I'm praying more than I am complaining, um, both of y'all have, I think, just a very disciplined prayer life, praying for a lot of different things. How do you remind yourself to pray for the government? And then to your point, Jose, just now, uh, how do you keep complaining in check? Because I feel like there's <laughs> infinite uh, reasons to complain uh, regardless regarding the government. So how do y'all keep that in check and continue to have a heart and a posture the way that God wants us to? Well, praying for the leaders, uh, praying for God's will to be done, uh, praying that you would, I have a prayer that when I'm in disagreement with somebody, uh, Lord, flood my heart with thoughts of mercy towards Mm. that person Mm. and meet their needs according to your will, Mm. not according to what I want. And so it's, it's a surrender in essence to God and, uh, at the same time, accepting and taking sinful people where they are. I cannot expect unbelievers in government to make godly decisions based on their philosophy of life. Mm. 
based on their views uh, politically. That's not my business. My business is to uh, submit myself to God and to accept the circumstances that come into my life because it is through my circumstances that God speaks the loudest to me mm-hmm. because that's fresh. My circumstances are happening right now. Now, I interpret those circumstances through my understanding of God's Word mm-hmm. and of my own philosophy of life that I have developed as a result of the world view that I have based on God's Word. Mm-hmm. But I, I am responsible for my re- reaction mm-hmm. To what is going on in the world, yeah. my response. That's so good, Bob. And that's where prayer really takes a um, <laughs> a central part in this because, again, either I'm trusting God that he's in control and asking God to control me and give me self-control <laughs> so that I can control my actions according to his will, or I'm voiding that first part and, and just reacting viscerally with whatever comes my way. And I, I, wanna, I wanna be a man of prayer that submits things to God and asks God, direct my steps, mm-hmm. help me. I love that prayer that, that you asked, that you, that you shared with us, Bob. Give me your, your mercy. Give me your love for this person. Show me how you see them and how can I, can, how can I, can, how I can come alongside you to bless this person and encourage this person when appropriate, correct and rebuke so that we can restore people back mm-hmm. back to the ultimate mission, which is them knowing Jesus. And, you know, 1 Timothy 2 is the template. It just is. We got to pray for people mm-hmm. that are in leadership. And then ultimately he says, because God wants all people, he desires all people to be saved. So ultimately the best political strategy is revival. Mm -hmm. When we see people come to faith in Jesus, we now have a similar worldview. It makes sense now to rule according to what God says is right and wrong. I just finished the book of Judges. (laughs) And it is the best example of a godly people that went astray from God's ways. And it it ends with everyone did what was right in their own eyes, meaning everyone did evil. Everyone did what was contrary to God's uh, law. And if you want to read some really, really like disturbing, I mean, it's it's all in there of the mm-hmm. consequences when we turn against God. And so again, the solution is for people to turn back and repent and come back to who they are in Christ through what Jesus has already done for us on the cross. Again, goes back to the last point with, with uh, salvation, his plan for salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, so prayer is so central to all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about how do you keep politics and even just the way that we see and keep up with those who are governing us, how how do you keep that in check? Because without even getting into the political people, parties, or platforms, but like, how do you, you know, I feel like at least in my personal experience, there's constantly, it's just a, a... 
uh, yeah, it's just constantly trying to draw me in to get me either worked up or to try to tap into emotions where I can just fully be obsessed with something like that. So how do you, the two of you kind of keep, hmm. stay involved? Jose, you mentioned on Sunday the idea of, you know, we, we do have a role to vote and to be involved, even yep. run for some for, yep. to run for office. So how do you balance that with also not getting carried away and letting it impact your walk? I, I would say, that's a great question. I, I would say that we need to be self-aware and ask ourselves, what is informing what? Is, is my biblical worldview? Is, is my time with the Lord? Is my security that I have in Christ informing how I view the, the world around me in the news? So, so is the good news informing the bad news or is the bad news affecting the good news that, that, that Jesus came to bring, you know? So if, if we're inundated with news, if we're inundated with bipartisan talk and current events, then that will affect our soul. And, and so we need to make sure that we are strong in the Lord, that we are surrounding ourselves with people that love Jesus. And from there, allow that light to shine brightly in, in this dark world. I thought it was wonderful the way Patrick and Pandy came the week before we yeah. had this lesson and emphasized our identity in Christ. And he focused on two things. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we are ambassadors on the earth representing where we have our citizenship. And with that in mind, that, that helps us focus on our responsibilities. And we are truth bearers. It is our responsibility to speak the words of God in any situation, regardless of the consequences that they're going to have on us. Because prophetically, Jesus said, blessed are you when people persecute mm -hmm. you, insult you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Mm -hmm. So that because of me is because you are representing right. me. He says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. That's difficult to do. <laughs> it's difficult, but it's our it's, it's, mandate. That's right. It is yeah. part yeah. of the manifesto that yeah. he gave us. It goes back to that verse in Hebrews where he said, they joyfully... <laughs> Uh, they joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. That well, they they suffered with those in prison and joyfully accepted the or yeah, joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property. And then it says because they knew that they had better and lasting possessions. Our possessions are not material. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are they are spiritual? What we have cannot be taken away from us. Mm -hmm. We can be thrown in prison. We can have all of our material wealth confiscated. Yeah. It, that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's the way they looked at it. No, that's not, that's not necessarily uh, what we want. That's right. But look at the founding fathers of our country. Every one of them were willing, they put their whole lives and property on the line and were willing to lose it all for the sake of freedom mm -hmm. yeah. from tyranny. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because something that that I learned this last week was that you can't have a uh, successful republic, which is what we have as a government, without um, uh, free-flowing news and uh, some sort of value system. And we're losing both. We have social media that is running rampant, and it's really anarchy. We kind of have big tech or, you know, right here listening, maybe, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're going through this medium that, that can... Uh, um, you know, try to control, but really there's so much information out there, it's impossible to control. So we lost the free flowing and we, we're losing our value system. Mm-hmm. As believers though, <laughs> we have our value system intact. It's as ancient as it gets and it's founded on this one person, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we're called to submit to him. And again, this mission, which is what the next verses talk about after he's saying, hey, Basically, don't overthrow the government. That's not what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want you to live in this Roman under the Roman Empire, and I want you to stay focused on this love idea, mm-hmm. agape love, sacrificially giving in, in a way that uh, is undeserving, which is what God did for us. And so we are to love in that way. And it's very hard to live out and really understand, Lord, why are you doing this? Well, I think it's a very basic principle. Mm -hmm. When we give something that is undeserved, then we're actually blessing an an area. And so what he's saying is, as my people, I want you to bless your community so that more people understand the source of this goodness, which is love himself, that's Mm -hmm. Jesus. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that third point there, you spoke just right on it. Agape is our mission. Agape love. The question here, do I love others the way God loves me? One of the uh, questions for the community groups this week was asking, how does agape love differ from the love that the world often celebrates? I'd love to ask both of y'all wow. just uh, question. Just what your thoughts were on, on that. Well, the love the world is celebrating, the, the love the world is celebrating right now is, I, I would say, just deep vulnerability and transparency, which is really important. We, we need to understand how we are feeling and how we are doing and those, those, those things. We need to love uh, ourselves. We, we need to love others. The problem is, is that the love that the source of this love comes from within us. And I would say that the love of God, the source is not within us, the source has been given to us. It's, it's coming from a third party and that's, that's God. So he has imputed his righteousness as we've learned through the book of Romans. He's imputed his right standing that only he could have with himself. We are unrighteous. So there's no way for us to belong with a righteous God, but thanks to his love poured out on us through the blood of Christ, we now have access to be with God and we can give that same type of love towards others. Yeah, Jesus said uh, the very last thing that he said uh, to the disciples in John 13, 34 and 35. He said, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And then he also tells us, that we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world. It's not us by ourselves, it is Christ living in us that uh, when we are transformed more and more into his likeness, we become brighter and brighter as his shining lights in the world. 
Yeah, well, this is a great way to close here. Just this fourth point that time is short, so get ready. What am I putting on every morning is the personal question there, Jose. It's kind of a great way to practically apply the message here. What would that look like as far as uh, assessing what are we putting on every morning and then what should we be putting on and how do we move forward? Well, we're clothing ourselves with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're putting on his His garment. Uh, we, we're putting on the armor of God. We put on, which is all defensive except for the sword of the Spirit. Mm. So we are, when we wake up in the morning and we get ready to go out into the world, we're putting on the Lord Jesus Christ mm. is what that amounts to. Yeah, that's so good, Bob. I am reminded of the coronation ceremony. King Charles was just coronated, and it was a beautiful uh, ceremony. How, how blatant they were about Jesus and the origin. I mean, it was really beautiful. And one of the things that stood out to me was the garment. They were literally, I mean, the, the golden robe was put on the king. It was heavy. But it, it meant this is the weight of the authority that's been given to you. And so likewise, when, when we put on Jesus, there is a heaviness to it because it's, it's a weight of responsibility. Uh, not a have to, but a get to. We get to partner yes. with Jesus here on earth. As a uh, It is a privilege. It's amazing. And we're seeing it right now in the life of our church, celebrating all of these baptisms and yes. seeing life transformation and real stories of changed lives. That's what it's all about. The more we focus on what God has given to us, the more we will see this world change for him. Right. And, and the more our government goes against the word of God, which is, seems yeah. to be happening now, the, the more that happens, uh, that should not have any kind of negative effect on us, it should give us boldness and right. courage to, to do what God has called us to do in love. That's right. No better example than that, than uh, reading through the book of Acts. Amen. <laughs> That's exactly Amen. What, what happens there. So thank you, Bob. Thank you, Taylor, for a great conversation. Already looking forward to the next one. Thanks for listening to the Conversations Podcast. Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Looking forward to the next conversation.